passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. And we are live with Rewind to Raw. I am John Pollock here, as always, with Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How you doing? Um, by this hour, I'm um, pretty tired by now, to be honest. I had a, I had a really rough uh, night last night because um, my, my daughter is currently sick, and she was up nonstop last night. So the we would go in there, and it would calm her down, and then I'd leave. And she'd scream and cry. So I ended up having to pull out this. This is all the stuff you get to look forward to. Eh? I had to pull up this uh, It's like air mattress and I slept on the floor. But it was broken up with her like yelling out every half hour. So if I ever fell asleep, I woke up. And then by about 4.30, she was done. She got it all out of her system. Mm. And I got to have a few hours of sleep. And then woke up and had a long day ahead of me. So I just... uh I was actually okay most of the day. Now, three hours of raw, I I am hitting that proverbial wall. But that's why you're here, Way, to uh, be the uh, supply the, the energy, the caffeine to join me with uh, my literal caffeine. It's too bad raw doesn't air at like I don't know two a.m. in the morning, so that way you can watch raw while your kid is screaming. That and, would not uh, be an enjoyable experience. I promise <laughs> you, that would not be. Uh, you know, you're awake answer. anyway. Just get it all done. Yeah, I. The worst thing was I've said it so many times was just the uh the best was being in Japan to follow this stuff. Mm. I it was nice. I would love Tuesday morning watch raw record with you and by noon the world's my oyster. Hey man, they're opening up the borders, you know, if you're considering a move, I mean, I'm sure you can convince your family. I don't know about that. That would be a that would probably be a tough sell. Are you looking to move anytime soon? No. No, no okay. time soon. You're I'll be staying put for a while. Yeah. Well, we have Raw to talk about, and we have uh, today's news show up on Tuesday, the post-daily news show. One Eastern will be joined by Filthy Tom Lawler. We're going to have a filthy edition of the post-daily news show. So do subscribe at youtube.com slash postwrestling, and you will uh, want to hear from Tom Lawler as he gets set to <laughs> himself head over to Japan. That was yeah. not that was not go. on purpose by me either, wow. as he will be going for the G1 and get to watch. I'm sure he will be following uh, Raw and SmackDown closely in those morning hours. Uh, yeah, is he going to continue reviewing those shows for uh, Wrestling Observer figure for weekly? I don't know, but you will ask him on Tuesday, and you will find okay. what his recording schedule is like in Japan with a co-host that is on the West Coast of the United States. 
Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, I don't know, taking notes for SmackDown in between, um, taking notes for your match against Kazuchika Okada. What an experience. <laughs> Could you imagine? All right. Well, um, Yes, all of that, plus uh, coming up this week, just some uh, reminders. We have all the regular shows coming your way. The Daily News Show will be dropping each day, live at 1 Eastern. And Thursday night, MCU Later. Uh, We have two episodes remaining of the series. That is correct. Yeah, I believe we've got uh, episodes 5 and 6 coming out. uh, And then another edition of MCU Later coming out next week week or at least at some point yeah i think next week as uh i'll probably be talking about thor love and thunder i'm hoping wh gets to watch it sometime this weekend so we'll deliver a bonus review uh at some point next week which uh yeah so that works out because tomorrow no patreon bonus but we will have the tom Lawler interview but then next week i think we'll have two bonuses so in addition to all the g1 coverage that's coming out uh mid mid week mid month as well yeah, I'm I'm going to be honest, it's a quiet week. It's a mm-hmm. it's a relatively tame one. So, you know, give us give us some as I say quiet week, you and I are still doing eight shows together. You're doing nine with MC later. That's what we call a quiet week here at the site. And then next week, uh we've got um those reviews that Wade just mentioned, the bonus MCU laters, and Tuesday's Rewind Away next week will feature a look at Drive to Survive season one that was the updated choice of our espresso executive producer so how we're going to break this down is we are going to look at the first three episodes of drive to survive if people are waiting for their jumping on point this is it and we'll probably have more of an overall discussion of the series and focusing on season one who are these people that we randomly talk about at the end of these podcasts that you either are engrossed by or completely despise yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. You know, usually we like to keep things to professional wrestling. But in this case, I feel like there's a lot that we can pull from this, you know, um, maybe parallel sport, other niche sport that we can talk about in, in a wrestling context. In the end, we're talking about sports storytelling, and this is one that has proven to be very effective. Yes. And at the end of the Raw review, I want to talk to way about the British Grand Prix. So you have been forewarned. Okay. Okay. We'll save yeah. it for the end. Hell yeah. We'll save it for the end. Raw tonight. Anything else you wanted to share? Get off your chest. Rant. Rave. Um, No, not not just yet. Okay. Well, Raw tonight took place from San Diego, California at the Pechanga Arena. And I would say the most newsworthy elements of the show, I would say number one is that it would seem that John Cena is not tied to SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Very In fact, Fury being booked in a match with Bobby Lashley, and I find that... Very interesting. I think mm-hmm. the fact that Cena was not advertised for any more Raws, and I think that just given that we are so close, if Cena was going to be part of this event, I would have wanted to make it very clear after this Raw. Um, and it was left very open-ended last week about, I'm definitely going to have more matches, I just don't know when. And that seems to eliminate, in theory, a match with Austin at SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, part of me felt like if they were going to announce anything that they would have done it last week. So the fact that they didn't, I mean, they did draw some, you know, there was the um, tease. They had the interaction, tease. but not not a heavy angle or anything. And now Fury's tied to Lashley for the show. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's a scheduling thing that they they've got, or maybe they're saving Cena for something else. Uh, but they're gonna have to go to that stadium without him. The other notable aspect of this show and. Uh, you might have missed it, is that off the top, Ric Flair's woo has been 
added to the signature once again after being taken out last September when it was uh, removed right after the Dark Side of the Ring episode. And Flair's Twitter account, I don't know if this was Flair himself, but on his Twitter account wrote, the most hurtful moment in my entire career was losing my spot. Thank you so much for giving me back my dignity and my life. The, the woo off the top in the signature. Wow. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what it seems to suggest. Um, we we know that Jeff Jarrett is involved in Ric Flair's last match. He is uh, somebody who works there. WWE and Ric Flair are back working together on a documentary. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they are they are back in business together. And this, mm-hmm. I mean, was... Um, you know, it was it was taken a date. They felt the need to take it out in September. And I guess they don't feel um, there's any problem adding it back now. And I wonder how many people even noticed this. If I hadn't seen Flair's tweet, I wouldn't have noticed it myself. I I, I didn't notice personally. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's it, it seems to be, you know, their their way of handling the, a lot of these situations. Um, let the let the buzz or, you know, anger and the attention die down and then just kind of carefully move back in. So there it is. Raw itself began with Corey Graves stating that the WWE universe is reeling from the landscape altering money in the bank. Sure. Some some landscaping was done. Maybe some weeds were pulled. Some hedges were trimmed. Yes. Yes. Some uh, hedges for sure. And filling in for Jimmy Smith is Kevin Patrick. They just stated that Jimmy Smith was on vacation. And did you see he was because he still does his radio show. So on the weekend, he's doing money in the bank and then he's doing stuff like during International Fight Week for for like serious XM. Busy. Okay. Man. Yeah. How yeah. did you think Kevin Patrick sounded? Um, inoffensive is, is how I would term it. I, I don't think he stood out positively in any significant way. Um, but, um, I don't know if he was necessarily, necessarily supposed to personally, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that they didn't go for Vic Joseph over on NXT. You know, here's another person who is very seasoned in this position. Um, and instead they opted to do the, to use the backstage interviewer. Yeah. It was an interesting call going with, um, with Kevin Patrick, but I, I he, he didn't really, I think you, you hit it on the head. Didn't stand out to me all that positively or negatively. He was <laughs> fine. Like filled the role completely satisfactory. Yeah. Bobby Lashley comes out the new U S champion and the reception he got Saturday extended to Monday, very loud chance of Bobby. It does feel like he has, I won't say turned a corner, but elevated himself in the eyes of the audience. Like he is seen as, in with Cody gone, he feels like the top star on Raw now. Totally agreed. I, I would argue, well, also with the Orton gone as well, because I think if Orton was there, he probably would still be perceived as like maybe right. the, the the biggest baby face. But right now, in it's the also life, him like like he feels like he's higher. He's perceived higher. It's mm-hmm. not just the fact that others are gone. Like it seems yeah. like there has been an increase in Bobby too, and mm-hmm. it just it really hit on Saturday. And I don't know what that that changing moment was, but it was evident for another night in a row here. Yeah, it's true. They they continued that momentum coming off of Saturday, and I th- thought they you know gave him pretty good treatment here. But when we're looking at the current landscape, he is the biggest babyface on either show. I I mean, Drew is already kind of at a certain level, and I don't I think he's plateaued. He's not necessarily gaining more crowd interest than he is before. Whereas Lashley really feels like he's you know building a lot of steam and he's becoming 
more of that leading role. So, yeah. The most noteworthy thing is that he said it's uh, the man that makes the title, not the other way around. And there is no other man in any division or promotion that can beat me for this title. And when he mm. said other promotion, this fan, this fan base. Ooh. And out came Tomohiro Ishii. <laughs> That's Thomas. Thomas. Ish. <laughs> um, Tom Ish. Tom Ish. Tom Ish. Yeah, I think it would just be Tom at that point. So, um, what do you think? What, like, what is this hinting towards something? They don't just throw these lines in there for no. No, reason. no, I, I don't ever take these as uh too much freestyling that happens in these very controlled WWE promos. Um, could have just been a throwaway line. Um, this does not feel like um them doing kind of a Cody Rhodes TNT Open Title Challenge and Eddie Kingston scrolls through to challenge Bobby Lashley. Maybe Alan Angels. Maybe that's who he's talking about. Uh, maybe. Maybe he's just going to do the circuit. Goes from Impact to, uh, to Raw mm-hmm. next week. Um, but D- Didn't say what promotion. You know, could be, I don't know, you know, G- uh, GCW. Could be Bellator. It could be a Bellator. fighter. Yeah. Sure. Could be a, b- a boxer. Maybe Kayla uh, Harrison walks in. Battle of uh, American Top Team, you know, by Connective, connective Tissue. Instead, crossing that forbidden line is Theory, who comes out and calls himself Mr. Headline. Mr. Headline. Yeah. Not oh, as good of a sh- ring. Shirts, that's going to sell. Just have like a newspaper and it reads Mr. Headline. I think it should be a headband that says Mr. Headline, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Line nothing says a future main event star than that nickname. Lashley, he says, won the title, but everyone's talking about the youngest money in the bank winner ever. And compares himself to Michael Jordan and Tom Brady shining in the clutch and says he has been granted a rematch at SummerSlam for the title. And then <laughs> so this is this is our fun tagline that we're going to have to hear for the next month for Lesnar and Reigns, who he calls the match. One last time, one last match, last man standing Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar. I I'm so excited to hear everyone butcher this and get it all jambled, like jambled up. And one last match, one first time, first last man standing. What a mouthful this is going to be. And, you know, everyone is going to have to refer to it like this over the next month, especially these poor announcers. You know, I imagine Jimmy Smith is on vacation right now on some beach somewhere, just like repeating in his head constantly. One last match, one last time. No, it's one last time first, oh, then sorry. one last Fuck. match. Damn it. You're I fired, fired already. You're gone. Stay on vacation, Jimmy. Yeah. Just, I, I love it. No. You, they, you probably have, the, they probably have it written down in the corner, okay? Like yeah. taped up on like the desk on the monitor somewhere. So uh, he says that whoever is left standing is going A-Town down at SummerSlam. So he's... He's going to leave with every championship he can get, the U.S. title, the undisputed championship. And then Lashley says, if you make it to SummerSlam. And then Theory tosses the case to Lashley and attacks him with it. But Lashley makes his comeback with an elbow and slams Theory. And they would be involved in a six-man tag later on in the show. Yeah. So, yeah, like you you know, we, you mentioned the big surprise is that Theory is not going to face John Cena at SummerSlam. And instead, we're doing this rematch, and it'll be a, you know, I feel like a, 
relatively straightforward one to book, in my opinion. You know, is the, I mean, Theory has the money in the bank, which I think um, for the WWE means you can lose as many times as you, as you, as they can. I think uh, this would be more intriguing if the briefcase was on the line because so many more people take Lashley in that role, like the idea of him going hmm. after Reigns or Lesnar. But I, I do not think that is a direct briefcase for the the championship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately coming out off the match, I would imagine they still want to keep those two things separate. You know, Lashley with with the uh, the the um, the U.S. title and Theory with the briefcase. So I, I feel like there's enough interest in at least the idea that Theory wants to be the supreme champion by winning, you know, the, the undisputed championship and the U.S. championship. Um, but remember, think- this was the geek that got F5 off the top of a pod by Brock Lesnar at Elimination Chamber. Wasn't wasn't theory yeah. he the like he was just the mm-hmm. pun- the punching bag for Lesnar in that match. Yeah, yeah. And now we've got to sell this guy's the threat. Well, listen, I, that's what the briefcase is, right? You know, it's it's the shortcut for the guys who might be the geek who can talk really loud and um they can conceivably conceivably win and and become champion through through these shortcuts. So it's not the worst, like for a heel, but you know they they definitely have their work cut out for them. Um, like he sound his presence is automatically going to sound bigger because he'll be give, given more TV time. There will be more stakes attached to his actions because he seems to be next in line. But um, can can the audience you know change the way that they view him? I'm not really sure. Lastly, though, you know, like we we talked about, I thought his voice sounded a little bit different too. He delivered like essentially the show's opening address and really played up like the 4th of July representation on the show. So it really felt like he was, again, playing like the franchise player, you know, in reference his time in the army as well. Like they mm-hmm. played that up with him in Montez Ford later uh, as well. So, yeah. So despite, you know, the U.S. title really not meaning much, um, I would say this would be a case where like the, the, the winners, the guy holding it, his stock is higher than the belt itself. Megan Morant is with the Mysterios, and they are asked about the Judgment Day's comments last week. And she goes to ask Ray and Dominic, I've got this. What Finn said last week was not just disgraceful, but very disrespectful. And there's no one I would rather learn than Mihefe. Very nice. Yes. And Ray notes that they did become the first first father-son duo to win the tag title. So I must be doing something right and mentioned it has been 10 years since he's been back here in his hometown and the first time Dominic has wrestled in San Diego. That's really How has it been 10 years? Like, I know he was gone from WWE for a long time in there, but I mean, he's been even even pandemic uh, taken into account like he's been back for years in this company. So so he redebuted during the pandemic. Is that right? No, no, no. He was back in in uh, like remember he did he did all in so that's yeah. like Labor Day 2018 and then he comes back to WWE sometime after that late okay. late 18 early 19. I'm honestly surprised he he never wrestled San Diego in that time, you know, and and that they haven't gone back to San Diego until now. So um, I mean I what you do you calling bullshit john i, I mean i no I, i'm not i i didn't look this up i take the i i assume this is real i'm just i'm surprised that in 10 yeah. years um well we don't know if he's acknowledging the, his indie indie dates you know this could very well be a this is a different person i don't know how many in, independent dates he would have done in in cal in in san diego uh, hmm. at least 
So it's Rain Dominic against Finn Balor and Damian Priest. And Balor is in his new black leather tights with a like purple towel. Like he was ivory. Remember, she always had that that purple thing that was always hanging out of her gear. Um, sure. Okay. Yeah. I imagine that's the inspiration. This was a look. This is a guy. I mean, you know, you're 40. Let, let's move into tights from, from trunks. You can skip a leg day here and there. I mean, I, I don't know if he needs to hide much. You know, the guy with, with abs like that. Yeah, sure but maybe, maybe he fun. wants to... Uh, you know, Jericho did the opposite, you know, as he got like up there, he went, mm-hmm. he went from tights to trunks. Like that's, that's not the, the choice you make at, at, at 40 plus. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Dominic receives the tag and sets up Balor for the 619 is stopped by Priest. Uh, the crowd was pretty loud for the Mysterios at parts where they were on offense. Uh, Dominic shoots Ray into the corner for a Rana off the buckle. The two go for a 619 and then Ray runs his boot by Priest. Uh, Coup de Grasse misses Ray. They hit the double 619 onto Balor and Priest. And then Ray goes for the Eddie Guerrero spl- uh, frog splash, but lands on Balor's knees. Balor grabs a chair and the referee's back is turned. And Ray did this awesome phantom bump. Like it was just so perfect. <laughs> and the people went nuts. As soon as they realized what he was doing, the, cr- the ref turns his back. Dude, you have never heard a crowd cheer so loudly for a DQ than when they called for the bell. This was the best DQ finish this company has done. I don't know in how long. I thought that it, just say like, it, just say ever, John. I'll you, say you go the good. greatest DQ finish yeah. of all time. Bring out your in inner Pat McAfee. Yeah, yeah, definitely the greatest. Um, sure. This this crowd they they loved the spot. I thought Ray did it so well. It was like if you didn't know any better, you would think you were watching like someone just screwed up and he took the bump too early. Like it was perfect the way he took it. Um, yeah, this, uh, th- in terms of booking two guys in their hometown, this could have been a lot worse for the Mysterios. I think a DQ is. Oh, this was great. You know, the they weren't, they weren't going to beat Balor and priest. So this was a, this was Why a good not? way. Uh, Cause I, I, I they, think if they, they wanted will, to, they would have done it here. They, Finn Balor's going to eat a pin, like in the in this this month, like in the next you know few weeks. I'm sure. I don't think they're they're that precious about him. But I mean, the this was I think better than a win. This like was you know showcasing the, the smarts of of your baby face, much in the way that Eddie Guerrero used to do. The fact that like this spot has been kept alive for 20 years now is really incredible. Uh, or at least close to it. I don't exactly know when Eddie debuted it, but it's really quite heartwarming when you think about it. You know, the fact that like somebody can do this and to this day we recognize who, who did it first. And like the, there are people that in this crowd, John, that um, probably uh, were, weren't even alive when any Guerrero was alive that popped for this spot. There were a lot of children that they cut to in, in throughout the course of this match you know it was a it, it was a, a show and then their team and Rey Mysterio is, is a personality that just like completely resonates with, with children and watching the success of a match like this just makes me think of all the money they've made uh they've not made I'm sorry um by not featuring Rey Mysterio in a more prominent role um throughout you know his several years now with this company but tonight it, it made for a really great hometown babyface moment. And um, yes, you know, the Judgment Day, their first time teaming, um, they lost. But I think it was way more important to give the fans a big hometown victory here. And uh, they did end up getting their heat back backstage anyway. Yeah. No, it it is funny you bring that up because sometimes you will hear, you know, when, when past uh, creative writers have talked about ideas of tying things to the past and 
they would get shot down with some response of the fans aren't going to remember that there. It's like everything is from last week and then nothing else exists. And then you see something like these spots, like these Eddie spots that everyone recognizes, everyone remembers them, or at least they, they have been trained to mm-hmm. understand what, what they mean. And I think that's often, that often goes kind of underappreciated the, the memory bank that fans have when you tie things back. And the ones that don't get it are curious to find out what the significance is. The what chant is still around. And again, how many of the people chanting were necessarily watching, you know, back when Austin was there? Yes. Julia Hart wasn't even alive when the what chant started. (laughs) Stop. Megan Morant is with The Miz and says that he is proud about Logan Paul's loud and outlandish comments to gain attention. He is surrounded by yes men and women and is successful outside, but won't be here in WWE. I know that coming from the outside fame that I did on real world and he asks logan paul to retract his statement take my offer and we will be successful and go on to win the tag titles but if you don't i will be relentless and you will have to earn everything and be humbled and then goes on to state that he did not quit against aj styles last week when he walked out on the match and quit and didn't even try to break the count if you remember and will prove that he has american supersized balls tonight mm-hmm. yes yes um you know i think the miz does a great job with celebrities but whether or not he can be relied upon to make the audience hate him so much that they'll cheer for logan paul i feel like that's going to take a different level of of skill on behalf of the miz and uh he's going to have to pull off a bit of a miracle in conjunction with you know whatever the writers have in store for logan paul to really make this thing work but um yeah, I'm curious. I'm just looking it. at like the next, uh, presuming it's raw that you're going to have Logan Paul do at least one appearance somewhere in here. Next week, they're in San Antonio, then mm-hmm. Tampa, and then Madison Square Garden. Oh, think, yeah. That's going to be tough. I think New York will uh, will hate the man. Uh, yeah, like in, 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 mo- in most towns and even at SummerSlam, I think you might have enough casuals who this, don't Let's remember, care. this guy got booed in his hometown when they brought him on Raw. So I don't think there's, I don't know if there's going to be any... um. Uh, safe cities, but we'll see. There also may mm-hmm. just be the, um, you know, if he's opposite the Miz, maybe they, maybe they've just grown tired of booing Logan Paul and they'll see him in this role and they're, tr- they're just trained to cheer if, if that's what they're being instructed to do. We will see. Uh, we got a preview of the, oh, by the way, the Logan Paul uh, photo signing with WWE, the most liked photo in WWE Instagram history. What is that? Until Otis is put up on Instagram today. Mm. Yes, with the yes. hot dog. Yes. We got a preview of The Undertaker's A&E biography this Sunday night. So three and a half hours to uh, sit back and enjoy uh, WWE programming this week. Uh, the Undertaker biography will air, followed by a one-hour episode of WWE Rivals, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Is that the same? This is different. It's a, it, Yeah, brand new. It's a brand new series, of course. Right? Yes, yes. So yeah. this is part of the three and a half hour block on Sunday nights. Will you be checking either of those out? Um, unlikely. Maybe I'll I'll catch some of it. Um, it's just I I, do, I don't have time for more more WWE programming. You don't have time for more to talk about Montreal. No, I absolutely don't. The Street Profits are hosting a four. As I segue to what I do, apparently have time for, and that is this Fourth of July party that the Street Profits held earlier in the day. And Ford notes that, like my shoulder at Money in the Bank, America is up. And 
Elf Academy comes in. Gable was going to read an annotated version of the Declaration of Independence. And then there's an insulting contest between Gable and leads to Otis challenging Dawkins to a hot dog eating contest. He and that was him, slapped him with a hot dog, a glizzy. A what? A glizzy. <laughs> what is a glizzy? I had to look this up. I'm not that cool, everybody. Um, uh, it's apparently slang uh, for a gun that has somehow been adopted for hot dogs as well. So, yeah, uh, he got he slapped him with a glizzy. Okay, um, I got it. The Mysterios get mauled by the Judgment Day backstage. Dom is run into a ladder, and Ray is left for dead on the floor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where, where by do you the think way, this, go, where do you think this uh, is I all going? Want, uh, pro- probably a match, and maybe Edge, you know, becomes a part of this. He, I think he still has to seek some retribution from Judgment Day. So, feel like that would make a bit of sense. But then that means Judgment Day would have to add another person, or one of the Mysterios is taken out. Yeah, um, oh, it'd probably be Ray. I, I I think that that is possible. Man, yeah, that would suck. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he was the one they focused on at the end, being laid out on the floor, like you had the big zoom yeah. in on him. That's possible. And you know, he's got that Latino heat thing inside the, the little vignette, and we just saw Ray do an Eddie spot. Um, I don't know. Could 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 there be some Eddie Guerrero uh, invoking here in this feud? I wonder. But by the way, going back to the Street Profits thing, absolutely zero sign of any dissent or miscommunication between these two whatsoever. You know, they 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 they, they like each other enough to throw out uh, throw on a barbecue. Come on, that's good. That's good. That, that that if if that doesn't show a close-knit friendship, I don't know what does. I I actually thought it was pretty disappointing the follow-up to this match that was treated like this all-time classic on Saturday and outside of the shoulder reference like there was like, like instead they were just, I, I don't know. I just thought that sometimes when, when you have a big match, you've got to treat it like a, like a big deal coming out of it because it's, it's just gone, forgotten. They, they did mention it on commentary with, with, uh, I think it was Graves or one of the commentators saying, uh, many people considered this match last night, uh, the best match of the show. And they did give the Street Profits like a big baby face win on this episode of, of Raw. So I wouldn't say they did nothing. Right. I just um, thought this, this, this to me, I, I think more of the focus should have been on kind of that match and, and where they're, where they're going at, like they did bring up the shoulder. So it's, it's not like they did uh, nothing here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just less enamored. They had a hot dog eating contest. Come on. Yeah. A hot Dawkins eating contest. Mysterios. Yeah. Uh, all right. Mysterios are dead in the back. And then we go to AJ Styles and the Miz, our rematch from last week. Um, Pretty uh, pretty bare bones match. Uh, we saw Miz sent to the fl- uh, sending AJ to the floor, and then AJ comes back after taking a DDT. He gets his boot up in the corner and hit the phenomenal forearm, and just won the match like that. It was about as basic as can be these days, you know, especially for an AJ Styles match. Like this felt no like controversy. It- there was no big struggle. It was just a pretty. And after like the tease of Miz, like or outright leaving last week there was no tease of him trying to get out of the match it was just boom done phenomenal forearm clean finish i suppose um it's their way of showing that in a fair fight miz can't win and therefore it makes champa's role that much more significant yeah this to me felt like okay miz is 
going off with Logan Paul. Uh, we're tying this loose end up, and now Champa takes AJ's uh, attention. Away. You could do that. You could just tag out of feuds like that. Yes, that's what this felt like. It's like I'm on hmm. to bigger and better things, and AJ, you're uh, you're going to work with Champa maybe on the kickoff show. And Champa jumped him from behind, slid him into the post, took the knee down, but then Styles sidesteps and lands a Pele kick and goes for the Styles clash when Miz returns with a skull crushing finale. Uh, and AJ is laid out. See this. I mean, the fact that yeah, Miz ended up laying AJ at the end suggests to me that this continues. You know, because you're not going to have Logan Paul every single week on TV. So I think we're going to get a deeper program between AJ Styles and 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 uh, the Miz with um, the Miz's sidekick Tommaso Ciampa here. How weird! This relationship, first of all, just feels so unlikely. Does that mean just- we're going to get AJ and Logan Paul together? Yeah, yeah, you could what very a, well have what that. What a tandem. Yeah, but Miz and Ciampa, I feel, I mean, they, they they paired them together for quite a while now. But, you know, it's, aside from these physical attacks, I just don't recall either of them really getting much story build together. Like, I don't know if they've ever had a significant talking segment together. We don't know why this relationship is uh, is 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 there. Like, what gravitated Tommaso Ciampa to the Miz? And vice versa of everybody. Um, part of me feels like in order for this to succeed, they're going to change Tommaso Ciampa significantly. They're going to probably have to make him more of a comedic character that fits within like the Miz's gimmick. You know, like 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 maybe he'll be the new Alex Riley or Damian M- Mizdow. Um, Tommy Drip Drip. <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> That's it. That's it. All those years in NXT, I think it's leading up to this. Tommy Drip Drip. This is what I want out of these characters. If you're not going to be, you know, serious with them, then give me give me Butch. That's what I want. Sure, yeah. Make me laugh. Give me a maximum male model. Oh, my goodness. Everybody, everybody should be a maximum male model. Liv Morgan comes out with the SmackDown women's title. And, dude, this woman was happy to be the women's champion. Okay. Yes, she was, and you know what? Like, I I don't I don't know where you're going with maybe that introductory line, but when we contrast this to the other smiling uh female wrestler, oh, this did not feel contrived, not at all. Like so often, like with eh, Ronda's got a very genuine smile too, but at least like man, Raquel Gonzalez, somebody who just comes out smiling for no reason. You 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 wonder, well, what's wrong with this person? When Liv Morgan smiles, it is infectious. It is completely like authentic and genuine and i think that's a major part of the reason why she is such a strong baby face yes she uh she destroyed ronda rousey on saturday and tonight she destroyed my speakers because she screamed during this promo i mean she was not going to get overshot by any of these reactions from these fans and she just as the crowd's chanting you deserve it we deserve it and all her dreams came true. It was the hardest battle of her life to win this ladder match, but you fans got me through it. They believed in me, even when I felt I gave you nothing to believe in. You gave me confidence, and this is for all of us. Natalia interrupts her and says the only reason Liv could win was after I decimated Ronda with the most dangerous submission move injuring Rhonda's knee and Liv says she knows where to find her since we'll now be sharing a locker room because she'll be moving to SmackDown. Carmella comes out and 
can't understand why you two are here. You're on SmackDown. And tells them to go back to SmackDown. She is going to be the next Raw Women's Champion. How many people do you think can honestly keep track of who is on Raw and who's on SmackDown? Like, I had no idea. Natalia is on SmackDown? Like, that's, that's it's kind of news <laughs> to me. Like, I just, at this point, they're all interchangeable. Uh, Liv jokes about her just losing to Bianca on Saturday and tells Carmella, make me leave. So they fight. Bianca comes out to save, and Adam Pierce makes the match. For one night only, we are going to get Raw versus SmackDown. <laughs> Actually, we're getting Raw teaming with SmackDown against Raw teaming with SmackDown. I mean, so it's crisscross brand uh, supremacy. I'm surprised they didn't build a pay per view around this to call it, you know, forbidden um, something. The know? wide open door. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the the key has been thrown away and it is wide open. All there is welcome. no no cover charge live oh, on pay per view. It's it's just a hole. There's no there's no obstruction whatsoever. It's just it's just a a, a passage like an yes. alley. Yeah. As they said at the uh, the talent meeting, we're all one big happy family. Yes. Bianca Belair and Liv against Carmella and Natalia. So uh, they're really trying to get the sharpshooter across as like this devastating hold now and Natalia is constantly going for it and she applies it on to live, but Belair passes her braid to live, to hold on and pull her to the corner. Dude, there is no partner in the world that I would do this for. I was like to grab here, grab my hair and I'll pull you to the corner. I'd be like, you know what? You could lose. I'm fine. <laughs> See, wouldn't, I'd be a terrible hair. I'd be a terrible women's champion. I would not I would not have a lot of friends. I would not do this. Wouldn't touching the hair be a tag already? We've had this discussion before and I can't remember yeah. how it was concluded, but um yeah, like the hair has signaled a rope break before, correct? Has it? Oh, maybe. You could be right. Yeah, I mean the hair is a part of the body, okay? So touching wouldn't touching the hair constitute a tag? Yeah, see, see, I remember when I used to play uh, baseball, and there was one time I, I got like a ground ball. I think I was playing second, and the guy was running for second, and I'm trying to get the double play. So I've got the ball in my glove, but he's mm-hmm. running past, so I use my free hand to tag him. Mm-hmm. And I was told, no, you got to tag him with the with the with the glove right. that's got the ball in it. I was like. Okay. What what are we trying to prove here? Like the the ball is attached to my arm. I'm physically touching him. I ball, possess the ball. I I the am ball. the out. I represent the out, and I am dis, I am giving it to this guy. Well, They're you like, are no. the ball at that point. I know because like you know when it, the ball is in the glove, the glove is actually touching the person. Yeah, like you're, the ball is being separated by the person yeah. with the you know, piece. Should of I leather. take the ball out of the glove and I touch him with the ball? Is that how literal we have to be with these tags? But like, no, that doesn't that doesn't compute. I didn't realize that was a rule. Actually, I don't. I don't know if it's uh, if, if it's a definitive rule, but I was I was told that. I mean, you know, just like it was just like beat into time. me. I always have to. You always have to tag them with the with the ball. Okay, anyway. sure. So as we uh, we get to the bottom of all this, so uh, Camarilla is in control of Bel Air, and then. Belair gets sent shoulder first into the post by Carmella and then knocked down by Liv from the ring. And Liv stops a sharpshooter as she uh, had knocked down Carmella on the floor, hits Oblivion, pinning Natalia. So uh, Liv vanquishes Natalia. So that sets up uh, nothing for SmackDown. 
Well, I mean, she beat him in a double uh, a tag capacity, so I think we still have the singles match. Um, I thought this was a good follow-up for Liv Morgan. She came out of uh, Money in the Bank feeling like a principal character, you know, uh, being the person to cash in and become the new champion. And it was really important on the show, I think, to put that spotlight on her. And I thought this match did that. It was a good visual seeing her with Bianca Belair together. Bianca Belair, the established champion, and Liv Morgan here holding the belt. Anytime you have two baby faces win the championships, it's always kind of nice to get that, you know, one visual of both both baby faces holding the belt. And uh, that that visual itself already elevates Liv Morgan. Um, the crowd is still really into her. You know, I feel like in ring, she's um, she's still got a ways to go, certainly to reach a level of like one of the four horsewomen or Bianca Belair. Um, but she certainly has the crowd with her. Promo wise too, I think she's got a lot, lot, a lot of ways to go. But um, again, like the X factor is whether or not the crowd likes you, and she, the crowd really likes her. The audience is with her. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they did. They did note Roman Reigns and Ronda Rousey are advertised for SmackDown on Friday. So I guess you can shoot your angle with with Ronda and and where you're going with. Do you with do you still feel like that's the the match that they're doing, Ronda versus Liv? I think they run it back. Yeah, yeah, for SummerSlam. I don't. I don't see anyone else ready for her. It's just like I'm because at that point, I just don't don't know if you could do a double baby face match. Maybe that's not the goal. Maybe that's yeah. that's the idea. That's, you know, because Liv maybe. is so well liked and Rhonda really is like, you know, hit and miss depending on the town that I don't know if they would have any choice but to turn Rhonda yeah. in that pairing. Like you have to figure Rhonda is in a prominent match at SummerSlam and who's she going to be paired with? Like Liv to me is the only um, hmm. the, the one that's ready for her. Veer is at the barbecue. Ali stole his food. That's that's where Mustafa Ali is at, folks. This is, you know, his big comeback and, uh, you know, those promos he was cutting with The Miz. This is where he is. Okay. So I'm sure this is setting up something major for main event this week. Yeah. Huge. Big match. Huge. So, yeah. Omos and MVP, their only appearance on the show was just explaining how everyone else had to gang up on Omos to eliminate him from money in the bank. Dana Brooke ran through with the 24-7 title, and everyone followed her, including Reggie, who bumped into Omos, and then he got Jazzy Jeffed out of the scene. And we got, like, the Fresh Prince reaction here from the Street Profits. I thought that was really funny. That, so Glizzy's is a little beyond you reference-wise, but the, the, the Fresh Prince that, right near Wheel 1993, I'm, I'm on top of it. So... Uh, Ezekiel then talks about barfing as a kid, which uh, a rare, a rare example of uh, foreboding here on Raw. That when he had a pie eating contest with Elrod and Elias, they all vomited, and with that, this guy went to be like the world's worst hot dog dresser. He just squirted this ketchup bottle. Like he was drunk and just <laughs> squirting it into like anywhere but this hot dog. Yeah, like just a, just a piece of garbage. Okay. This if guy were, like four years old, you know, like why would he shoot a, a bottle of ketchup sideways? Who does that? Yes. The, the ha ha moment was in walks Seth Rollins with ketchup all over his shirt. And Ezekiel proceeds to wipe his bun over the ketchup on his shirt and then wipes it on his face. Mm. This was like almost gag inducing to watch. It was kind of gross. Why? Because of ketchup? Yeah, it was just, it was just gross. Little did I know what was in store for me. This was fine. 
and then he licks the ketchup. Didn't this? Oh, this sorry, was it was Rollins. The- Rollins stops. He does his laugh, and then he licks the ketchup, and then walks off. And the punchline is Montez Ford calling him Seth Zekin Rollins. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That sets up the match. Yeah, that we just cut to Rollins. Like this is his entrance. Like this is the match. They're fighting over ketchup. Um, I think I think um, this show in Ezekiel in particular is really missing Kevin Owens. I have to think. I thought that um, was going to be Ro- Owens walking into the scene as the guy with the ketchup all over him. Like that was a tailor made spot for Kevin Owens to lose it, and obviously no no Kevin Owens. Yeah. Um. By the way, if you're watching in Canada, they they run the local ads for. The shows they're running in Canada uh, in August. So they ran one for August 20th in Kingston, Ontario. And they're still just running Seth freaking Rollins versus Cody Rhodes. We have to we have to really speed up the recovery timeline. I, I would imagine that. so. I would not. I did not peg Kingston, Ontario live event to be the big return. <laughs> You you would think they they a month they've had to to update these, but maybe maybe it's not a priority for them to have Cody Rhodes still advertised for these shows. Yeah, sometimes when it comes to the local ads, I don't exactly know what what the communication is like because I I don't imagine Vince is in charge of like or Kevin Dunn even is in charge of, of those things and like might might come down to Sportsnet and I mean they're but, they're shooting these things with Scott Stanford just in in New York they just do all the different markets with Scott Stanford like they're and was would, would this one have been shot that far back I mean this was just a generic like board with the voiceover um, right promoting the match no they should but. probably get on that they should probably fix that uh, the Edge vignette ran several times just the same one from Money in the Bank that I think everyone connected the dots to um, since Saturday. Rollins versus Ezekiel, and this was an interesting match to watch because Ezekiel was very aggressive from the beginning and ended up being a match where Rollins gave Ezekiel 90% of the match, and it was built around Ezekiel just attacking him, hitting, uh, splashing him from behind, spine buster. Rollins came off the top into a flying knee, and it was constant kickouts by Rollins, and then he is... Uh, spun around on Ezekiel's shoulders into a sit-out powerbomb. Then we get several inside cradles. Ezekiel still can't get him. Rollins catches him with a rolling elbow. And as Ezekiel goes for a backslide, Rollins kicks out, rolling out of it, perfect position for a stomp, and he beats Ezekiel. But it gave Ezekiel a ton in this match. Hmm. Um, Maybe some of it is just, you know, simply due to the the stylistic differences where I think Zeke has proven to be a pretty interesting, like entertaining power wrestler. And Rollins is Seth Rollins, right? He I think the goal ultimately was just to have a good match and to maybe make Ezekiel look good in the process. I thought these two were working really hard and I thought the result was actually pretty good. But the crowd reaction was to me, the, a dude, the crowd was really down. Yeah, for a lot Zeke. of the, the end. I, I even sensed it. Um, yeah, especially by the, the third hour. Like, I, I thought the audience was just not really into this, but mm-hmm. I thought the wrestling was, was fine in this. Yeah, I mean, it's Seth Rollins, you know, but I think um, I think this, this really showed how important Kevin Owens has been for the Ezekiel thing because this was, you know, Seth Rollins is a great heel, but, like, they, he doesn't – this hot dog skit, skit backstage was not enough to draw a good amount of heat for this. And uh, Ezekiel, you know, aside from not being able to qualify for money in the bank – 
And this week, you know, in a bit of a nothing match against Rollins, I thought this match kind of exposed how how necessary Kevin Owens is to Ezekiel's success because you didn't have that crowd support for him at all in this match. Yeah, um, Rollins came back and he was going to hit him with another stomp when Riddle runs into the ring and hits him with an RKO out of nowhere. And I would seriously think about um, whether Rollins can be credentialed because I don't think he has any peripheral vision. Well, listen, man, like, you know, there's a light everywhere um, for TV. You know, you're just like, like this guy hopped the barricade and ran in. I mean, what if this had been a which fan? Way, which way did he run? Which way? Which way did he run in? His uh, Rollins left left side. Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, listen, come on. There's, there's a lot of distractions going on in, in a wrestling ring. So Riddle is in swim trunks from the barbecue earlier and nails him with the RKO. So it looks like they are just continuing with Rollins and Riddle. I mean, it's a match that they pretty much set up, you know, even before Money in the Bank. So we'll be getting it. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a very good match, Rollins. It's a, it's a, it's a SummerSlam worthy match. Dawkins and Otis have their hot dog eating contest, and Otis is up twenty three twenty two. When we pan to Tozawa, who beat them both with forty eight. Yes. I suppose a reference to Kobayashi. Um, sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great wrestler. Which one? Kenta Kobayashi. Oh, okay. Yes. Otis feels sick. And you know exactly, exactly where this is going. The second he says this, as Theory reminds them all that we've got a six-man tag tonight. So that's Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits against Theory and Alpha Academy. Uh, we see uh, Ford in with Gable. Um, they had a nice interaction here. Then Lashley and Montez Ford uh, do stereo delayed vertical suplexes, and they salute as they've got Gable and Theory hoisted above, and they mention um, uh, Ford being in, in the Marines, Lashley being in the Army, and then Lashley just tosses Gable around, hits his elevated flatliner, and he's trying to get to Theory, who hops down to the floor, and... This was a way better out of nowhere spot because Dawkins just comes out of nowhere and shoulder tackles Theory, who flies over the desk. Very unexpected and to me shot very well, too, because it's in tight on Theory. And this dude just goes into another zip code after he's hit by Dawkins. I like this spot. Yeah, I mean, you know, Braun Strowman's not in the company anymore. He could take that whole train thing and. It, it looked really good, and it's nice that we get some something spectacular from Dawkins, who you know, because most of the spots are usually left to Ford. There's a spear to Otis. Uh, Ford hits uh, from the heavens, which Kevin Patrick notes to the stomach of Otis. To the mm-hmm. stomach of Otis, everyone, and it appears the chaos theory has now been named the American Automatic. Yeah, by Gable. Yeah, he said it about a week or so ago. Okay. Uh, Gable delivers an overhead suplex to Lashley and then comes off the top with a moonsault and lands on Lashley's side. This looked mm-hmm. like a uh, an awkward landing onto Bobby. And then Lashley stops another American automatic and spears Gable for the win. And I thought this was like a really fun six-man tag. And just as I was typing that, Otis comes into the ring and the dude just hurls at Chad Gable And in case you missed any of it, we got multiple replays in slow motion so that we could see 
the projectile vomit, including a loose piece of hot dog that comes out of this guy. So if you had any questions about Vince McMahon still heading up creative during this investigation, this was all your your proof here that Vince is on top of his humor in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna puke. <laughs> uh, gets him every time. Yeah. Vomit. Classic. I yeah. love it. Vomit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a guy that hates sneezing so much, he does love to watch other people who have no control of bodily functions. Um, it's gotta be a childhood trauma at some point. You Did know? someone vomit on him? I, t- I don't know. I'm not sure. It was a good match. I, the crowd was really into the team of the Street Profits with Bobby Lashley. Really strong, really fast pace. I thought the delayed vertical salute spot was was really great. And they're a tremendous mix of like power and speed, the three of them. When you think about it, like they are a team that is almost perfectly set up to goal against the Usos and Roman Reigns. Should they ever decide to do Roman versus Bobby Lashley? You know, uh, I would love to see... Lashley and, and the Prophets continue to team up. Our truth comes out as Uncle Sam and states today is his favorite holiday. And he talks about the brave people that saved Earth from the aliens in 1996 in the film Independence Day. So he gives a thank you on the 4th of July to Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum and Vivica A. Fox and repeats his favorite passage from the Constitution. Welcome to Earth. There are not many people that uh, can just take whatever's thrown at them and, and try and make the best of it as, as our truth can. You think this was thrown at him or, or how much of it do you think came from truth himself? Um, I, I'm, I'm sure he is very hands-on with his material. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Probably he, like since it, not since it came out. Um, yeah. That's uh, easily 25 years since I've seen that film. Ludwig Kaiser interrupts him, calling this a ridiculous charade and introduces Gunther. And there are chants of USA and he slaps away at R-Truth. What was very amusing is that we always make fun of the joke about the babyface that's beaten down and the referee that's, hey, man, you still want to go? And the guy's half dead. Yeah, yeah. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. This time, like he gets slapped and the ref goes, are you ready? No, man. <laughs> and Archer was like, no, I don't want any part of this. I've been injured. And the bell rings and Truth was simply battling to keep this wig on and got dropped with a boot and power bombed in 54 seconds. And Gunther um, got his uh, his win on Raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fine spot of, for him on uh, 4th of July. 4th of July. It made sense yeah. to put him on Raw. I, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, and he didn't have to be part of the barbecue. <laughs> no, nor the hot dog eating contest, you know, which I think he would have done tremendous in. Um, <laughs> it um, it's too bad that like our truth's Uncle Sam outfit prevented uh, Gunther from doing the big chop because it it you know well, you're assuming that he's you know um, debuting in front of a different audience now on USA watching Raw that might typically watch um, Fridays. And so the big sort of like attention grabbing thing that he does is typically the chops on a bare chest and didn't really get that here. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I think him with the championship, I suppose, was was enough uh, of, a, of an impressive beatdown. Yeah, I mean, this, this is quick and good for what it was. Uh, Schreiber is with Alexa Bliss, and it's pretty much uh, what have you got going on, Alexa? 
Give us something. She says she has no friends around here, but she's happy for Liv. Maybe it's time for me to get a belt of my own. And she wants to take on Bianca Belair. And Asuka enters, says, I'm going to beat Becky and become the next champion. And Alexa just stood there. She wants to carry something around other than just Lily. Well, how about a Capital One WWE credit card? That could that could um, balance out <laughs> Lily in one hand. Yes, balance. Yes, um, her personality, Alexa's, like has been the most generic it's ever been since she's been in the company. I feel she has nothing to work with. Like, not there's at all. Not, like if you were giving her instruction, like what is this character? I can't tell you. I thought it was. Is she traumatized from the? Time she was the dark Alexa character. What yeah. are the effects of the the therapy sessions? Like what what do you even inform this individual that she is conveying? Like it just feels like you're We know she has no friends. That's all we know thus far. And and I guess her only friend is, you know, this imaginary stuffed animal. But um see, like I thought it was, it, like I thought her personality was so flat in the last month that they were setting something like setting a turn up at at, at money in the bank or something, and they could still be doing that. But I'm more like prone to think thinking now that she, her personality is flat because they have no idea what they're doing with her like this. And this this is very unusual for her because from the time that she was like she debuted on Smackdown, she was like just a fantastic heel from the get go. And then even transitioning to being I suppose being her being a baby fist was pretty generic, like, you know, with Nikki Ash and all that stuff as well. But then like at least Lily gave her something. Now it's just like. Now she's just nothing. Like, I don't think of anything when I think of her other than the fact that she carries around a doll. There's an interview that came out today that, um, that uh, I believe uh, is transcribed on the site where she talked about her original idea for the psychotherapy sessions was supposed to lead to some sort of darker version of her, like even darker than what she was doing before. Obviously, that's not happening right now. So. Yes, I don't she's... know if they're just in a holding pattern as they come up with something new. Sorry, it's not on the site. I, I read it somewhere else. Apologies, I don't have the source right now. But anyway, well, um, that's that's the latest with Alexa Bliss and the main event. No holds barred match between Oscar and Becky Lynch. You can only win by pinfall or submission. And we have chairs ringside that Becky has set up. And th- this was kind of just like. A toned down hardcore match, but they tried to maximize the use out of the weapons instead of just, you know, just nonstop weapon shots. So we see a hip attack to a chair sending Becky and Oscar through the barricade that sets up the break crowds chanting for tables. Oscar superplex Becky off the top onto a series of chairs and then puts a trash can over top Becky. And she's repeatedly striking it with kicks, spinning back fist and then hits a missile drop kick to Becky, who's underneath the trash can leading to Corey referring to Oscar as Oscar the Grouch. Pretty good. That's wow, not bad, I like it. especially if it was off the top of his head. A table is brought into the ring. Becky takes over, and then Oscar goes under the ring, brings out an umbrella, and then she goes to whack Becky with the umbrella, who grabs it from her, puts the umbrella, opens it, and bl- semi-blocks the mist, which still gets a lot of green mist on her face. Uh, okay, fine, but in the eyes, though, not in the eyes, right? Uh, I guess not. Um, it just 
got around her eyes. So anyway, they battle on the turnbuckle, and it ends with a manhandle slam through the table, and Becky wins as they put over that her slump might be over, and Becky yells, I'm back. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think clearly building towards Becky versus Bianca at SummerSlam, giving her a number of wins. Maybe Alexa is next, or maybe... maybe I I could see Becky just beating Alexa to set up the match the way they did that segment earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also possible that they could make it always make it a three way, you know, Um, by the way, that quote from uh, Alexa was from the out of character podcast with Ryan Satin. So uh, anyway, so, you know, building beyond building Becky back up. She's back. The match was good. Lots of chaos, lots of activity, very different from their last matches. So um, I think, uh, yeah, SummerSlam is already shaping up. Yeah, um, this was the 4th of July edition of Raw. Um, the ratings are delayed this week because of the holiday. So uh, Tuesday, we'll get the SmackDown and Rampage numbers and probably the UFC ones from Saturday as well because they were on ESPN and ABC. And then Raw will be out on Wednesday. Uh, so we will see how this does. Last last year, it was their least watched episode of Raw on record, um, excluding the uh the show's on sci-fi. So they, they really got hurt last year uh, coming out of 4th of July weekend. So uh, being on the actual holiday itself, um, I, I would say if it's, if it's a very low number, um, that would be the, uh, the factor. But you were coming off a of pay-per-view. There were several newsworthy items coming out of Saturday. Uh, so we will see if that, that curbs any of the erosion. But yes, they have set up SummerSlam. We got a barbecue. Um, we got Gunther. A puke. We got show. vomit. I mean, you you checked Every, off a lot of boxes on the day. Everything you can ask for, everything you want in a sports entertainment three hour spectacle. We got some super chats here to get to before we get to some of our feedback in the forum. Um, the first of which, a twenty dollars super chat Whoa. from Scott Bagley. Thank you so much for the support, Scott. Uh, at that level, he says ten years this month of WWE Monday Night Raw going three hours an episode. Do you think they had always planned to go 10 years? No one I know likes WWE Raw anymore. I always prefer your recaps. Thanks. Well, listen, these three-hour Raws have been a boon for our podcast over the years. So uh, we, we thank you, Scott. Um, I'm, I'm sure that when they went, moved to three-hour Raws, they weren't saying, hey, let's do this for two years, and then we'll, and then we'll go back. They it's- don't know what they're doing three days from now. Okay, and so often they don't know what they're doing three hours from the afternoon that they're supposed to do a show. So I don't think they have that much foresight when it comes to what they were doing. They'll be doing 10 years from now. All they do know is like, hey, people are going to pay for this much more content. And uh, as long as they did, you believe and remember, this is 2012. This is not WWE in the midst of the whole television rights bubble, um, just growing and growing. Um, They actually had like a pretty disappointing renewal in 2014. So when you go back to that original expansion to three hours, what was your expectation of if it would burn out the audience and if and the idea that it would last this long? Yeah, I think if you asked me back then, I feel like the, the, uh, there, there'd be a slow weathering of your your core base. And the, to a, there has been. to an And extent, it was but, slow. It wasn't immediate um, that, you yeah. know, the, the move to three hours instantly um, eroded your audience. But but, but, but over still... time, it, it did. And it's and it's a factor. I don't think it's the only factor, but it's maybe the most consistent complaint I, I hear from people over but the last 10 years. They are still number one consistently. Yep. 
That um, third hour of Raw is still beating um, pretty much everything else on cable when um, you don't have playoffs or or Monday Night Football. Yeah, and I think that part continues to surprise me. The fact that the, like people would still rather watch, you know, like a third hour of Raw than like whatever else is going on TV most nights. So um, I, I think in that sense, I, I'm I'm a little surprised. Yeah, um, you know, it it is remarkable for ten years, and um, yeah, and I, I do think it it has impacted like week to week viewing of raw the idea of sitting down and watching raw start to finish i i would i would imagine like that has greatly changed people's viewing habits that were watching in 2012 and are still following the product in some form or fashion today right yeah i i also be curious to know if like how many people are actually watching all three hours or are people just kind of dipping in and out well yeah. that's what i'm saying i, I would imagine like it's right. a lot that are just dipping in and out or watching certain segments as opposed to um raw being two hours that you know the idea of sitting down and two, watching two hours that's obviously much more manageable we have one more piece of uh super chat here from evan who sends five dollars thank you for the support evan he says hey wait congrats to you and your partner thank you evan he says my wife is doing a few days with our first and oh, I've had the same feelings regarding my social life. Uh, yeah, congratulations to you, Evan. Damn. Um, I think, uh, as John says, don't psych yourself out. I'm sure you'll still have plenty of time with your friends. So um, I hope you have some help. That's always good. Help is great. Yes. Help is great. So congratulations to you, Evan. And We're going to make sure Wade goes to see a movie this this summer at some time post-baby. That's our goal. <laughs> M- uh, mommy movie night right isn't that what they call it right yes have you haven't done that i haven't no no but i've heard of it yes well you're invited if i ever go yeah okay all right <laughs> we have uh other feedback at forum.postwrestling.com uh we will try and uh let's start here with tanise from georgia the moment with the crowd giving Liv her flowers and showing support was sweet and full of emotion. But with this company, the follow-up is critical, and I have little hope. Is Bobby Lashley over? Why is he not in the main event scene? The trios match was fun and showed how criminally underrated Chad Gable is. You know, it's it's an interesting question. What constitutes the main event scene on Raw? World champions. Um, well, the world champion know, isn't on this show, or yeah. at least not is there, on it. Is there a more A program on Raw than what Bobby Lashley is currently involved in. I would, I would argue that, um, like to me, the, the week to week main players feel like they are Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. Yep. Yep. But Seth's program right now is with riddle. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, maybe that is a bit more high stakes than Lashley versus theory. Yeah. But, um, I think theory is sort of the, like, they they are trying to make him sort of that that top guy on on Raw. Yeah, and prior to this, what what was it? Lashley versus Omos, and then Lashley versus um, uh, who did he just beat? Theory. Theory. Okay, never mind. Yeah, no, that certainly doesn't feel like the main program. I think I don't think you had this sort of reaction for Lashley until Saturday, and I don't know what their I mean their plans obviously are for Lashley versus Theory at SummerSlam. I feel like it'll get that much more focused because one has a championship. The other has, you know, a briefcase, but it still won't be the main event coming yeah. out of SummerSlam. I am assuming Lashley is going to retain. Um, and I, I feel like they, they should definitely be making plans for him to like really, you know, feel like the top guy on the show. Yeah. And kind of making that briefcase, your world title on, on raw, like that's sort of 
what it becomes by default in the absence of a championship. Uh, but I like they are booking Bobby Lashley as though he is a top mm-hmm. babyface. I think he's he is in great shape. Like I I think yeah. that um, he's you know he's a priority. The audience is responding. Um, and I, he's, I, his pro, his promos are like even by himself. I thought I think are connecting now. With the, he with the he's navigated with, without MVP and I think found his his voice. Um, yeah. I don't think he's ever going to be accused of being a great promo, but certainly not the. Um, you know, he was for a time just lost without a mouthpiece and that's not the case anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they already have like, you know, one half of WrestleMania, like the other half of WrestleMania booked on for like if the, for the championships or something, but I hope that they split the championships and I, I, I mean, of everybody, well, the match is Lashley versus Roman Reigns, right? That, that I think they're, they've held off on. So um, I have to imagine that they're saving it for a significant role if this rock thing doesn't happen, maybe that's the match. Yeah. I'd say today it's not even close that Lashley feels a lot hotter than Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who All else? Right. Who like who else could can you justifiably see dethroning Roman Reigns? That's that's on the full time roster right now. At, at the moment, the only ones I could see, um I, I still believe that they could do it with Drew, um, in, in Wales, um, Lashley, Cody. Cody. Yeah, you're right. Forgot forgot him. Yeah. Like you you do have options. It's not like it's barren. Um I, I, I think they had, uh yes, exactly. Let's let's <laughs> okay. go on. To Jermaine. You've got Jermaine. Jermaine from Chicago says, WWE is such a cold product. It's no baby face that is as a much watch on the entire roster that is amazing. I like Liv being genuinely happy to be champion. Guys, Vince McMahon on every interview says he listens and gets feedback from the fans. I ask you to this. Who is telling him we love the cookout or party segments with heels and baby faces being buddies? Or we like to see people throwing up on each other on live TV. <laughs> Everyone wants us. Everyone wants to see people put their differences aside in the spirit of vomit. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I think he – what does Vince mean when he listens and gets feedback from the fans? I mean, maybe on his way out from these in fairness, In fairness, the man hasn't done a real interview outside of uh, whatever you want to call Pat McAfee. I mean, he's uh, – it's not like he's uh, got a megaphone stating these, these facts that he's uh, craves the feedback of the fans. I don't imagine Vince is on Twitter like scrolling, seeing what the audience feels. I feel like he's, he's probably – <laughs> maybe I mean maybe he's just simply rolling down the window on his way out of the arena and being like what did you guys think of the show we loved it Vince it was great oh my god the cookout was great the, the puke it was so great there's nothing I want to hear more than his reactions sitting to, uh, at UFC 276 like I would just his observations as just someone completely out of his uh, his comfort watching UFC and his reactions to it everything would be i'm guessing so steph steph would be explaining like you know oh so this is the guard and this is what happens when you know he's pounding and grounding them yeah maybe uh jermaine says quick question john when will osprey's contract is up do you see a bidding war for him between AEW and wwe and where would you like to see him work in the u.s um i think there will be definite interest um by both companies for him um where would and i like Japan. Yeah, yeah, I think I I think you know he will have no shortage of interest when he uh, when a contract is expiring with New Japan. 
I, I seriously, I, I could see him in in either company. I know mm-hmm. AEW seems like a, an easy one. I, you know, he, he has said in the past that he has had no interest in going to WWE, but that to me, none of that is ever set in stone. Where, yeah. where you feel like at uh, twenty five could be drastically different than your life circumstances at thirty, where that becomes a goal, where that becomes an environment that you think you could excel in, and ultimately, like the highest earning potential is WWE. So, uh, yeah. I. I certainly would not discount WWE as, as an option uh, down the line for him. He is still young enough that, um, you know, he is going to go through many, many different um, philosophies in his, in his career and what he wants to do. I would not either. And and his is a really interesting case because um, I don't know if I, how many people I would say that for, but like, I think Osprey has shown enough, like he's a big enough, he's got bit more enough buzz now on the underground that I think um, he's at like an AJ Styles level, whatever AJ went to the WWE that I can see or a Cody Rhodes level. I think, you know, to some people. Yeah, he would, that, he would be comparable. I think in terms the, of getting that kind of reaction. Uh, yeah. If he came in the moment he came in, I mean, he is like the type of exceptional talent that I could see them like treating him like a like a main event star from the, from the jump. I think his talking is like good enough for a WWE setting. Um, and, uh, you know, I could see them looking at him much in the same way, like they're looking at Cody as like a bit of a win over AEW if they were able to sign him that and, and AEW wasn't. And we're also not talking about AEW now where you know, TV time is not the easiest to come by, even if you're Will Ospreay, you know? So like, if you're somebody like him, you have to honestly look at it and think, well, I'm going to have the better matches in AEW, but am I like, where am I going to get more TV time? Where am I going to get the greater exposure? And where am I going to make the most money? Um, and AEW will still be there for him um, whenever he's done with one company. Yeah. It, it, when a lot of these bigger names uh, come up, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what their tactic is when it comes to length of contract, because as the company, you would probably want as long a term as you, as you could get. And for many of these guys, the value is shorter contract, like three years as opposed to five, because mm-hmm. as rights fees continue to escalate, in theory, there should be a larger pool whenever these contracts come up that they will have access to to just create bidding wars like when jericho's contract comes due Mm -hmm. i believe both sides are going to be very interested in you know signing him and jericho doing one more big contract in his year and you'd be crazy to not think that he's going to um play the two off of one another and they'll and he's he'll be in a great position when his deal's up a hundred percent and you know he is he he should be thanking himself for helping create that competition right like, think this about, was the whole like, point. This was the whole totally. point of the game was for these people to have more options. And it's, it coincides with these companies, in theory, having their largest television contracts ever. So there mm-hmm. should be more money at their disposal than ever to to sign whatever talent they want. And that's a great win for those that have contracts coming up in the next few years. He's extended his his, his career by like a good decade plus, you know, by, by spending some time in this other place and then becoming hot enough so that he can go back and get another big run from the WWE, presumably, if, and, if he wanted to. And we do not have the same sort of age bias um, mm. in WWE. I I would not say that so definitively for for the female side. I I think there still is something to that with, with the age factor. But mm-hmm. for the men, I mean, look at some of the names we're, we're talking about: um, a Bobby Lashley or an AJ Styles. You don't have an age Edge. bias, but you have a size bias. 
there is, um, but I, I don't think Jericho falls uh, prey to that. Um, and, and I, I don't think like, and that, but, that was a factor in Vince kind of just let, letting him walk at a certain point was the age. And I don't so, think that they would have that same aversion now. So I would say if you don't have an age, they, they don't have an age bias. If you look like Bobby Lashley, they don't have an age bias. If you, I, you know, if you look like, like a, like, like somebody that Vince likes, if you're Ray Mysterio and if you're small and you're, you know, north of 40, there is a little bit at least of an age bias. Yeah. But I would also say that Jericho doing one more run in WWE, he's not coming in to be your world champion. I would say he's coming in and you're, you're probably working around, you know, a year or two and some big matches. And I don't know if you would necessarily be looking at him to be a weekly a character either, that it's, it's not the idea that we are, you know, putting this guy in a top position, but sort of like your featured guy that can show up and he's a big deal to the crowd. So it's sort of like an edge, like edge is not the guy that they are putting the title on and building everything around, but he right. is treated as a star. And when he shows up, it's, it's, you know, it's, you can certainly look at the edge. Edge is another one too. Like when, mm -hmm. when his deal comes up, like what, what he's going to want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I wouldn't necessarily call this whole comeback a, a home run with edge, but yeah. he is still seen at a certain level, uh, both by the company and by the audience. Mm -hmm. And I would see Jericho being uh, very similar. Agreed. Um, next one here is from Evan. Uh, Rob was fine, skippable, but fine. The wrestling was good. Uh, they've, they've really done well with Matt Riddle. He's over and, He's over with the crowd as a babyface, and Riddle and Rollins should be an excellent match. Where is Kevin Owens? Still um, out for the time being and wasn't back tonight, so no update beyond that. Undisclosed injury? Yeah, that seems to be um, what, what's going around. And, I mean, they stated as much on uh, SmackDown last week that he was mm -hmm. physically unable to compete on Friday. But uh, mm -hmm. that's about it. Hopefully it's not anything serious and that he's back soon because it's a big gap when you don't have him on, on Raw on Monday. I need to see Elrod. You know, they, they, this, this Elrod thing has been pushed back week after week now. Yeah, they're holding off on that. Okay, well, thanks everybody for your feedback. Uh, before we go, we won't go too long here, but uh, wait, how much of the British Grand Prix did you get to see on Sunday? Yeah. Because uh, this to me was my favorite race uh, this season. And I feel very weird stating that. And everyone's just raving. It's like, oh, the drama. And I guess... Um, because you should explain, like, what what happened here at the beginning of of, of this race for those that did not see it. Um, so there was, uh, like, in the opening seconds before they even completed the first lap, right off of the starting grid. Um, this is like was, not even the first turn. Like, this is just yeah. the immediate start of the race. And like, anytime, I, I, I'm assuming it's not that unusual to like get have have the craziest things because everybody's packed in, you know, when you're starting off, and everybody's just like sprinting right off the bat. So you get a lot of you know, uh, often collisions and things like that. And this was a big one where uh, Joe Guan Yu from uh, Alfa Romeo, um, it was something I hate. I hate like getting shit wrong because I know like there are people that are so much more knowledgeable than me. But anyway, something happened that resulted in him basically his car flipping over and skidding on the top of the car for a really, really long distance before hitting a barricade, flipping again, tossing several times, and then being stuck between a fence and a barricade. Yeah. A really, really horrifying crash, especially in the, like, because you could see it right there. Like, you're, like, I was watching it live, and in the background, you just see this car fly upside mm -hmm. down, and it's just skidding across. Yeah. And I was just horrified seeing this. And 
I, I also like I have not watched a race where there's been something so serious where I'm watching it live. Like oh, you've, yeah. you've seen like the um like the documenting of it on mm-hmm. on the series, but to watch it live and how the broadcast handles this, they're mm-hmm. not going to break. They're obviously not showing any of it, and they they're almost like reluctant to even reference it, and they're almost like they're speaking with like this calming sense that it's not an emergency. See- and because they were so uh, – because I tuned in late. I totally fucked up because I tried to stay up for this thing. It was not happening. I ended up sleeping. From the night before? Yeah, yeah. This was like a 9 a.m. race. Well, yeah. I mean, you know my schedule, John. You know, oh, like it Wow, just, that's crazy. I was up and then like I didn't want to like what? Sleep two – like five hours and then what, try to wake back up for it. So I tried to stay up for it. Ended up making it to like one hour before and I just clocked out. So I just oh. like – I was so groggy. I tuned into the race a lot, uh, like five minutes late. And five minutes late, you missed everything. So I'm like trying to watch this broadcast, thinking, "Well, what happened here? Like, why is it not started? Why is it like? Why are they like? Why do they have their helmets off? And why are they like chilling like in the paddock?" And I was almost confused because they never showed a replay. They never really talked about it. So I had to go online to look for the videos myself. But obviously, you know, I think this comes from experience because at this point, they don't know if this person is dead. And if this person had passed away, then they were not going to, you know, show show the thing. So they were waiting for confirmation that he was okay. And thank goodness he was. He was he walked away, dude. But like, it, they did not have that update immediately. Like, oh yeah, was, yeah. Like you see George Russell, who's involved in this too, and it's a bunch of cars that are affected by this that were involved in the, the collisions. Like, the, um, and George Russell gets out of his car, and he and you just see him run mm-hmm. off screen because at first it had uh, like I had just misheard, and I thought they had stated that it was Russell's car, and then you go to see Russell get out of his car, and you're thinking and. Uh, just seeing his car in the state it was in, it was like, that was not the car that I saw just fl- going upside down. Mm-hmm. And he's getting up to go run and try to help to to yeah. get him out. And then he ended, he ended up getting disqualified. He was he disqualified? Ended, yeah, he got a DNF because like, um, he got out of his car. And then by the time he got back into the car, he wasn't able to start it. And so he had to have some assistance. And oh, the rule is if you have any assistance – then you are disqualified. So it was really bullshit. Like I felt, I feel everybody feels terrible for him. You know, if he just sat in his car and didn't help these, it didn't show any concern for his fellow driver. He might've still been able to do it. It's, it's a stupid bullshit rule, but um, anyway, so yeah, he, he, he lost yeah. because of that. So it's, it's a long delay before it's almost an hour before they restart the race. And then thankfully mm. they, you know, he's okay. He's taken to a medical facility and then later discharged. And mm. they're just heaping praise on the halo, which I, I admittedly have not done a whole lot of research into until the, this crash. Mm-hmm. And this thing was only introduced like four years ago. Yeah, and there the was top. a lot of resistance to it. It sounded yeah. a lot like the the old mentality of NHL players against the visor, and mm-hmm. only this like or helmets in general. Helmets in general, yeah. It's yeah. like we're not that far removed from just anything that changes the sanctity of the game, and it just seemed yeah. like the Halo. And you've had a lot of adopters now of the Halo seeing it in action. Like Toto Wolf is one of them who just People thinks who, like a, who admitted that they were wrong. To, right, exactly. Not, you've you've yeah. now seen that. Okay, it might not look the greatest. It might uh, mess with your idea of what racing is. But this yeah. thing is a lifesaver, and there is no debate about its ne- necessity. 
completely 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 yeah um again you know like me and john like kind of being noobs uh, from the like the drive to survive era it's really hard for me to imagine that like for decades you know people were racing in these rockets without that sort of extra protection um i mean a lot of that's 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 could have been pre- prevented and i i think that, you know there's so much about safety that goes into the sport that um is 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 kind of unknown to like a relative new viewer like me so much of the technology besides the halo that probably contributed to saving that man's life yeah. yesterday and max verstappen was very against it he said it's safer riding in these cars in an f1 race than than riding your bike in the street so that's more dangerous so it really Jeez. shows you like um maybe i uh, should be putting a halo around my bike yeah anyway um so so that was just um it, it was really fascinating just to watch it handled in real time mm-hmm. and these broadcasters that just have to go through it and again you're talking about like you do not know for sure what the how severe uh, an yeah. accident that this is and, and what the end result's going to be and you just have to keep going and you got to kill all this time it's an yeah. hour that they're going commercial free and they've yeah. just got to keep going and going and they're they're as curious so, as you about the the state of everything. So that's that's the other interesting thing about F one broadcast is um, because they're international, there are no commercial breaks. There are commercial breaks like when you're watching on TSN, where 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 they'll just cut cut into the feed and play you an ad and show it the picture in picture. picture. I wonder if like ESPN probably does something similar, but the, the commentators are going internationally, you know, for we're back home and they you know at that point it's just filling time and but they're so incredibly compelling and so good at their jobs i mean especially in a scenario like this the coverage is so great like i can't imagine the amount of the number of cameras that are there where you'll get to see people like you know like talking to each other in the paddock you know like all the drivers just kind of getting ready like i I felt I found it pretty interesting personally just to kind of see like what they do in between. Like you see like, you know, um, drivers just kind of like joking around, you know, like as they're just getting ready for the race, they might be eating. Um, yeah, they went to one of the guys with Sky onto the racetrack and he's got like this, like this, like telestrator, like something you would see CNN incorporating mm-hmm. the technology for on election night to go yeah. into all the different precincts. And he's just like going and reenacting like the scene and how this, this crash was caused. And you're just yeah. seeing all the 20 cars lined up and how this car moved here. This caused this, like it was a ripple effect and it was just, it blows my mind to see the, the technology that they have on, on the ready for stuff like this. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and there's a great YouTube channel called crash along that actually like digitally recreates these crashes so that you can like study them and, and study. That's like, probably really helpful. Yeah. 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 yeah really. Tool. Um, no, it's just deep and incredibly scientific, you know, this, this entire thing. And, um, you know, so much has kind of gone into, um, prevention of, of, uh, and, and safety that, um, that part is almost as interesting as the racing itself. Jake and uh, Jake says in the chat room, ESPN does not cut to commercial. Even on ABC, they don't. No, so. they because when they started on ESPN, I think they tried to introduce commercials, and there was mm-hmm. so much negativity towards that from F one fans that they they have gone to like commercial free, and that and that does kind of limit the um, advertising. You know, exactly. Yeah. So how did they make money? Like, I mean, like exactly like you know, if they're paying what seventy five uh, rumored seventy five you know, thousand uh, or million. sorry, million a year. Like what exactly are they 
recuperating right now. I mean, I, I, I don't know enough about the kind of the, the business model, but it's obviously one that it, it makes sense for them that there are hmm. um, other ways to, to monetize it rather than traditional advertising. And I'm sure there's, you know, workarounds for that. And we, we don't get to watch the ESPN broadcast. So it's uh, hard to say from that standpoint. But besides the crash itself, was how'd you an like the unbelievable the race? race. So, man, the final, like, this was one where number one, you had Max Verstappen, who just had his worst race of the year, other other than you know, um, not a race in which he finished, uh, finishing seventh. So the interesting drama of all this is that here you have Max Verstappen, who is going to only net six points. So it's a great chance uh, for Leclerc to really ramp up his point total and. It's Carlos Sainz who wins the race, and you and instead of kind of Ferrari uh, placing Leclerc, Leclerc into a position to get the full twenty five points, that's where you get to the whole strategic element here. And you know, Sainz wins his first race, but I mean, from a strategic standpoint, you would have preferred that um, your Ferrari representative would have been Leclerc. So, so. Again, my sleep caught up to me and like I passed out midway through and I'm so ashamed because this from the sounds of it was not just the best race of the season, but like one of the better races in quite a while. The final couple of like five to six laps, the battle that is going on, it's like there are six drivers and, you know, signs is pretty much in the lead at this point. But the five behind him, dude, they're passing. It is so they're all within like fractions of seconds between each other. But even like, you know, just focusing on signs and Leclerc, like it sounds like there was some st- strategic mishap from on the on behalf of Ferrari where like they pitted signs, but they didn't pit Leclerc. Yeah. And that ended up costing Leclerc basically like his his race. Yeah. And it's it's kind of been looked at like, yes, Ferrari gets like the first spot here and fourth. But you had this golden opportunity. Like how many races are you going to have where Max Verstappen is going to finish seventh? Mm-hmm. And the amount of like the, the argument was like Leclerc should have had so many more points on Verstappen this week than finishing fourth. Like and that goes down to like, are you going for your constructor series points or your individual driver title? And Leclerc was, you know, certainly would be extremely frustrated on a week like this where there were a lot of points on the table that Verstappen gave up that you could have eaten up yourself i think he's probably frustrated just in general like i think that some status like him like he either didn't finish or or like like after a really strong start to the season i think like he's had some really disappointing results for the past like five or six um so you know this is just another one of them but i think it seems like everybody's really happy for carlos signs you know for finally winning a race it's uh how about the canadians 11th and 12th here not bad yeah and it also came with uh six people that did not finish so uh, yeah so i mean you know out of the points i think like latifi qualified um for like ninth or tenth you know so probably wishes he could could have done better um but sure yeah not the worst i suppose haas big 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 finish, two yep. in the top ten. Uh, mm-hmm. Mick Schumacher, dude, Schumacher and Verstappen. Like, look at the the differences here. Like, Verstappen oh. just beat Mick Schumacher. Like, they were battling um, at the end, and he just he just couldn't overtake him. But it was it so was that, pretty intense at the end. Well, when you think about like the difference there, it's like it's like Maven throwing the Undertaker out at the Royal Rumble, or at least trying to throw the Undertaker out. You know, when you look at like. Uh, Mick Schumacher, who hasn't scored any points at all this season versus the leader and the fact that he was willing to go for it to 
to overtake Max towards the end. I thought like, dude, was it so was badass. it was really exciting at the end, yeah. like just the the battle for of, of the top guys, and then this little Verstappen Schumacher head to head for seventh. That was really exciting as well. Yeah, dude, Daniel Ricardo, Daniel Ricardo, man, we we haven't talked about him in a, in a while, but it's uh, it's looking rough. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's been a lot of talk about like McLaren possibly replacing him. And I believe like his contract states that like it's up to him if he wants to leave. And I think he's at least there for another year. But um, he like in many ways is sort of like the poster child for Drive to Survive. Like episode yeah. one, as we'll be talking about, kind of like focuses on him. And so he's got the biggest personality, I would say, among a lot of, a lot of the, dri- the drivers. So um, but he might be somebody, you know, without a seat in a couple of years. So we'll see. Um, what about uh, Lewis Hamilton and in, in, uh Hamilton Hamilton had I thought a great race. I mean, he like in terms of just like pure driving skill. I th- I think like he got off to an awful start this year, but I think over the last month uh, you've seen a lot of those turnarounds. Mercedes had a lot of upgrades as well for for this. Yeah, weekend. so is the, is the porpoising gone? Um, I don't know. I'm not. Because it sure didn't seem to be an that. issue. Uh, it wasn't brought up. Week. Like I, I've heard nothing about it uh, this week, and that was such a big controversial issue prior. But that seems like that's a pretty major switch to have uh, uh, if they had uh, adjusted. But hmm. he, he had a very good race. Um, I, I think it was just like the tires he was on at the end that he really couldn't uh, threaten uh, above third. But this was like midway through. Like this was a winnable race for Lewis Hamilton that he could have won the entire thing. But yeah, I mean, Russell, Russell was out as well. So, you know, we don't know how that would have affected things for him. Um but it sounded really exciting with like a lot of different players, you know, like, yeah, the, this the was, usual. this was my favorite race of the season. Um, I just thought the, uh, the, the race itself, I mean, thankfully, you know, the, mm-hmm. um, the, the beginning, it, it didn't have a, a terrible ending to it, but in terms of the, the race, I mean, you got an excellent one. Are you like familiar with the tracks now? Like, do you, do you, when you're watching the race, do you like kind of like study the corners or anything like that like are you- I, w- I wouldn't say too intently i'm starting to learn the tracks a bit, a bit more and mm-hmm. what um and what drivers seem to um gravitate or, or certain drivers rather gravitate towards um but but i wouldn't say i have kind of a an expert knowledge of them no me, oh, me neither but like every time a new race comes up I at least like you know it takes some time to like look at the track and to mm-hmm. like nico rosberg has like these great like walkthroughs on youtube where he'll take you like kind of through corner to corner. But um, I love that. Like they all have their own identity and like Silverstone is like the longest, the one that's been around the longest. So, you know, when we have that kind of like in pro wrestling or um, I don't know, yeah, MSG or Corcoran Hall, like, or the ECW arena, these are like legendary buildings, but that's what I always it, loved about uh, Fenway park. In, like sure. watching baseball. I would, would equate it to that, that like here, that like the, the stadium presents a challenge that exactly. it's not like, it's not like a cookie cutter ballpark. It's not just visually different, you know, in pro wrestling, it's just like, I mean, the rings, the ring, you know, the, and everything else is just, is just kind of, you know, aesthetic in, in racing. In it's, the game is different depending on where you're playing. So, um, and every track seems to have its own identity, which, which seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. So this weekend it's the Australian Grand Prix, this schedule they hold Austrian, Austrian. Is it Austrian? Yeah. Austria and Vienna. Oh, okay. I've got a red bull ring. Oh, you're right. You're right. Never mind. Or maybe, Uh, maybe not. It's sorry. It's not Vienna. It's a Spielberg Styria Styria. All right. Yeah, I was just saying, like, the schedule, especially the the back-to-back weekends, 
That's intense. It's a lot of travel, yeah, for for the crew, for the journalists, you know, for everybody. It, yeah, it's the a camera. ton, man. This is like it's a it's a very significant undertaking. This is what like February to November. That's why they get that little intermission in between. It's barely a break you get from how much is it like a month or something? Like the Abu Dhabi is like late November, and then I, I meant midsummer. They get a little intermission midsummer as well. Um, yeah, that's right. So they got so this weekend uh, they've got. The Austrian Grand Prix, then the 24th, uh, the 31st, and then they get pretty much all of August off, and then they come back August 28th. So you're right. They get almost like four weeks at uh, in August. So good for them. They they deserve it. This is like intense just to follow. I, I can imagine doing this. But you, it's, you, so like, manage- it's so manageable. It's so manageable. Gunther Steiner, this guy just lives out of a suitcase, probably going city to city. He's just grinding it. It's it's intense, I'm sure, for people that are involved. But like for a viewer, it's so easy. Like it's it's a commitment. Like it's two hours every two every one and a half weeks. You know, it's not yeah. three hours every Monday or every week, even. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Um, those are our thoughts on the British Grand Prix. So next Tuesday, we're going to be chatting about season one of Drive to Survive uh, for Post Wrestling Cafe members. So look out for that uh, next Tuesday on the cafe. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. It should be fun. Me too. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I, I want to hear feedback. A lot of you guys have actually reached out talking about like how you've been longtime fans and uh, willing to share your insights. So thank you. Like if if, you know, maybe it'll come to a point where we'll want to do this more regularly and it'd be fun to talk to some people that are more knowledgeable about it than we are. I only, I only have one dream guest. You know who it is. Gunther Steiner. Toto. The man. Uh, Dude, Toto would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting. I was listening to uh, Richard Deitch's podcast and they were talking about the new uh, media rights deal Mm -hmm. um, with one of the reporters from the sports business journal. And one of the big appealing uh, factors for F1, it's like they have just, Cracking the U.S. has been such a gigantic goal for them forever that um, uh, Richard Deitch was noting, like when he was with uh, the fan here in Toronto, that when they were seeking out people from F1, they said, like, outside of Lewis Hamilton, pretty much anyone you want, they would make available. Like they were very good with getting you whoever you wanted uh, because Mm -hmm. they understand that. And I think it, it, again, it goes to the philosophy of the Netflix show of maybe not the initial sign off from everyone, but Mm -hmm. making as much access as possible and, and the drivers and the companies understanding that because it requires the buy-in from them that yes, I'll make myself available for a radio interview here or a television interview there. It's like, and I'm sure there are many competing politics, but there is enough of that kind of groundswell of we are trying to break into this market and it's going to help everybody by by having that expansion. It, they're also it's also a sport like built on sponsorships. Right. And, you know, you would assume any sort of exposure that way. And uh, look at all the American help. companies that, that you see now represented on the, on these races. Like it's all like over. Google. Yeah. yeah. Like, big companies. Being, like, like Paramount is, is all over it. It's um, yeah, that's. I mean, it just seems like such a a rich area of of sponsorship. That it's they, a very capitalist sport. Yes. It, it very much is, as are we. I mean, pure capitalists at the at the end of the day. Yeah. So that is going to wrap it up. Thanks to everybody for tuning into Rewind to Raw. I said this would be a short discussion. Uh, we went pretty long, but uh, we, we we get passionate about uh, the Grand Prix. Okay. That's it. We'll be back Tuesday. Tom Lawler, one Eastern, here on the YouTube channel. So we will speak with you then. And thank you for listening and watching. 
Rewind or Raw.